You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Built Bar. Use promo code Locked On. You get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com or part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Doug Branson, LOH. And I am on Twitter at Walker Mail. Some comments to get to from Mitch Kupchak, your Charlotte Hornets general manager, as well as the head coach in James Borrego. We'll be talking about some of the comments from James Borrego in the second segment. Some breaking news to get to, actually, with some of the comments that each of the two uh, authority figures within the organization had to say. Also, want to inform you guys on some things that is coming up later on this week. We will be doing a crossover show with... Locked on Bulls, who we've actually had a little bit of beef here before with a couple of years ago when they came at you guys, the fans, for not showing up at the Spectrum Center. I think it was a preseason game, if I'm not mistaken, and it was dead between the Hornets and the Bulls, and they had some comments. We went back and forth. We will be doing a crossover show with them. The reason for the crossover is because we're doing a mock draft, as we often do on the Locked On Podcast Network, and the Bulls are picking just one spot ahead of the Hornets. So we'll do a crossover to discuss why the Bulls picked at seven overall. And then we, as the Hornets, representing the Hornets, we can discuss why we picked our player. And we can talk about that back and forth. That's something that you can expect coming up later in the week. This is a special mock draft. It is a Delete Eight only mock draft, exclusive to the eight teams that were not invited to Orlando. You don't invite us to the dance? Well, we'll make our own dance. It's a mock draft dance. It's the Delete 8 party. Delete 8 continues to be the best thing from the Delete 8. The fact that eight teams were left out. I'm so happy that they they settled on 22. We wouldn't have gotten the Delete 8 if it was 20 or if it was 24. But because it was 22, we were able to have the Delete 8 moniker come with those teams that were on the outside looking in. Doug, breaking news coming in from Mitch Kupchak. And it was something that was the biggest mystery surrounding the Charlotte Hornets regarding just any one individual player. Mitch Kupchak came out and said that Malik Monk actually was reinstated and had been taking part in team activities. And Doug, it seems like Malik Monk was reinstated after violating the NBA's anti-drug program. He actually was reinstated pretty early on, it seems like. And some interesting news there because I felt so in the dark. I imagine most people did if we asked Rick Bennell about Malik Monk. There was just no information to come across. Same thing with Rod Boone, who, by the way, unfortunately lost his job at The Athletic, and we loved Rod Boone's analysis. We often referenced his articles here, so shout out to Rod Boone. Hopefully, you can find a job very soon because you had some excellent analysis. But when we would ask either of the people that were on the beat for the Charlotte Hornets, we just couldn't get any information because the Hornets held us all in the dark so much, Doug. What do you make of this news um, about Malik Monk coming from Mitch Kupchak? I'm interested in it on a lot of different levels, Walker. One, just organizationally, why they didn't choose to announce his reinstatement at the time and why they chose to wait until they were asked now, I think is is interesting if it has been all this time. We should say team activities. He's been involved in team activities, which have essentially been limited to Zoom conversations between players and the staff. Uh, They haven't been able to organize in in any way. Facilities were open, but under very restricted circumstances and time limits. 
So it's not like these guys have all been able to get together and participate in team activities that involved basketball at all. It's all been really conversational. Uh, but he has been on those things, which I assume he could not have been on had he not been reinstated. So I'm interested in why they they chose not to talk about it. I think that both Kupchak and Borrego, I think you can describe their responses to the reinstatement as very clinical. Uh, yes, he's been reinstated. He's been involved in team activities. And, you know, they, the Borrego mentioned, um, you know, it's always good to have all of your players together. This is a unit. This is a family. This is a team. And uh, you never want one player to be down like that. Um, but... You know, Malik Monk is an interesting case, Walker, because he was playing very strongly uh, in terms of both scoring, assisting, assisting, rebounding, playmaking. He was doing it all really right before he was suspended. And then that that ceased all of his momentum. And then the team really started to play well against good teams after he left. So he wasn't part of, of that stretch of games where the Hornets were beating Houston in Charlotte or beating Miami in Miami. He didn't get to take part in that. And I just have to sit here and wonder what that does to the perception of Elite Monk within the organization in terms of how much, how essential he is to the development of the team as a whole, if they can do that without him. Yeah, I question more of just what's going on with him mentally as far as the momentum being stopped because he was playing so strongly at the end there. And it was a pretty substantial stretch that Malik Monk had been giving us not only flashy basketball, making plays, but also efficient basketball for the most part. As you mentioned, the assist to turnover ratio, he was hitting from a pretty good clip. And even I believe his shooting from the outside had improved a decent amount in the last stretch for Malik Monk. And when you look at what the Hornets were doing with Malik, he was a part of that three-game winning streak against Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago. Again, not the greatest competition, but he had seen some success. You're right, though. It was against the really good teams at the end that Malik was not a part of. I still think that this is a guy that showed you enough to continue to hold on to, but I am interested just because we were so in the dark on him and we don't know exactly what's going on with Malik's mental state because of all of this. How is he affected as a basketball player? You're right to bring all those questions up. I think all of us have those questions in our mind. And and there were three games that Borrego specifically mentioned in this press conference as sort of evidence that this team had turned a corner. Uh, one was the win at Toronto, 99-96 on February 28th. Uh, one was the win against Houston. That was a 108-99 win in Charlotte. And then the win at Miami. Those were the three games he referenced. Malik Monk did not play in any of those games because he was suspended after the game in Indiana on February 25th. Now, he was part of this last stretch of, at least the beginning part of the last stretch of games, 10 to 12 games, that Kupchak referenced as sort of his uh, marker of of when this team really started to show that that they could uh, become something in the future if things were to, were to break the right way. Uh, but I think it's a big deal that Malik Monk was not part of this team when they were getting big wins against big competition because you're right, he was playing well. For the month of February, before he was suspended, he was shooting 38.6% from three, 45.5% from the field, averaging 16 points a game, averaging two assists and four rebounds. And in those, uh, in the two back-to-back wins against Chicago and Minnesota, he had 25 points in each of those games. So individually, Malik Monk was showing you what he could be, and yet he did not get to be a part of what the team showed you it could do. And I think that's going to be the significant debate within the organization is 
how much do we buy into the the individual play of Malik Monk, and how much do we look at this unit and say, wow, they really played well without him? Yeah, I, I can't buy into that nearly as much. Now, this goes both to our preconceived notions about Malik Monk in the first place. Obviously, it would not be it would not be a weird or surprising to anybody listening to the podcast right now that you might think it's more of a big deal, and I do not because what we both think about Malik Monk as a player, I more so go towards just the individual play. And I don't look at it nearly as much at the end. I don't know if this is going to be some great debate within the organization about what they decide to do with Malik Monk because of the way that they did play at the end of the season. I think it should be. Even if I think it should. Listen, if you're an organization, you have to have that conversation. You have to have that conversation. You're doing malpractice. If you don't look at, look at that situation and go, can we trust this player? Has he really, learned this lesson uh, because by the way, I mean, he's one of these players that's going to be uh, up for contract extensions eventually along with Devonte Graham and others. So you've got to make, you've got to know this Walker. I mean, you have to, uh, you have to figure this out and ma- because that's going to be a factor in the decision. And if you're just simply looking at the on court results and not taking that into account, I think you're doing organizational malpractice. Oh. oh no, I no, that's not the question at hand. The question at hand to me is whether you consider the last games that they won against good competition a factor in not bringing Malik Monk back. But I'm not even just talking about what's going on with inside the lines on the court. If we're talking about off the court and you have real questions about him violating the anti-drug policy, I'm with you on that. You have to assess that. That that goes back to me talking about the mental makeup of Malik Monk. That's what I am worried about evaluating. But as far as the team playing well, like Malik Monk was playing well. They had wins. He had good stats. I don't go into saying, you know, based uh, trying to evaluate an individual performance based on the team, especially when they were winning games with Malik too. Like when Malik Monk was playing well, like I said, they went on that three-game winning streak and even had one. I think they won the game against the Knicks when uh, he actually didn't play all that well in a starting role for the New York Knicks, but still was a part of a, a winning team, at least against um, the New York Knicks. Like I, to me, I'm just not going to say, okay, because the team did well after he was gone, that's reason enough to have a huge debate about Malik Monk not being a part of this organization. The off-the-court stuff, though, yeah, I'll buy into that. And what I'm saying to you is that it's, it's psychological. It's perception. It's, it's this idea that you look at a certain group of players that played well against great competition, and you say, yes, this group, and there was one, this group could take us to the next level. And there was one player, because of his own selfish actions, D- that oh, was uh, now, was unable. We don't know about the was, selfish stuff. Is kind of tough though because we don't know exactly what happened with Malik. Like we don't know the fact exactly that. Well, what kind uh, of we, here's he what we battling here, as well. Uh, here's what we do know is that whatever mistake he made caused him to miss games. How do, do we not? We don't know that. Oh no, we we do. It's just it, I guess this goes to your beliefs on drug abuse or anything like that. I guess that goes to your beliefs on what you think drug abuse and whether it's a problem by the person committing it. No, the decision. The de- no, he knew the rules. In order for them to right, get help but he on. knew the rules, or at least he he has a responsibility to know the rules. And then if you violate the rules and you uh, don't get to participate with the team, that's selfish. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like using that word. You know, we'll just have to agree to disagree on that using selfish regarding Malik Monk, but that's something that I'm not going to call him selfish. If there is indeed some help that he desperately needs or even needs, we just don't know. That's something that we are in the dark about though. Something that we are not in the dark about though, it's built bar and how great it is built bar. Not only is a fantastic tasting bar, fantastic tasting bar, but it's also good for you. Built bar is the best tasting bar, real chocolate, amazing flavors, kind of tastes like a candy bar. It has great texture. 
And it has an amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. If you compare it to the most popular men's bar, it is half the calories, seven times the fewer carbs, and seven times the fewer sugar grams, more protein as well. How can it be that good for you and taste that good? You have to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. Again, Locked On. Doesn't matter if you smash it all together. You can space it. Really just enter Locked On and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. More co- more comments from Mitch Kupchak. More comments from James Brago in the next segment here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. But give me some positives. As That would annoy me as a head coach. I'd be like, look, you, you can't lose to the Bulls by 20 and come away and go, well, you know, let's look for some silver linings. Silver lining, game over. Next game. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug James Brago had some comments for us. P.J. Washington, he said, should be among the members of the first all-NBA rookie team. We kind of talked about that as well. I think we talked about that with Chase Whitney a long time ago on one of our uh, Whitney Wednesday editions of the show. What other comments stood out to you, Doug, or if you even just want to comment on um, his his praise for P.J. Washington in his rookie year? Oh, he's a little biased, I think. Excellent. Yes, <laughs> that is true. I would agree. Borrego might be a little biased of PJ Washington. There's no doubt about it. I also don't think it's completely off base for him to say that PJ Washington deserves to be among the members of the first uh, team, all NBA rookie team. But Doug, was there anything else that James Borrego had to say that you find the most interesting you wanted to comment on here? Uh, I mean, you just talked about the team in general, evolving, continuing to fight. He called them an extremely competitive group uh, that, and essentially uh, he was laying out, you know, we've talked, <laughs> we've joked a lot about the four pillars, uh, but that organization takes those four pillars very seriously. And uh, that is the foundation uh, that they were laying in this first development year, because really Borrego's first year was this odd transitional year. You still had Kimba Walker. You still had a roster that could compete for one of the final Eastern Conference playoff spots, and they did that. But this was really his first year uh, to do what they hired him to do. And so he was laying the foundation and then talking about in year three how they were going to you know, layer onto that all of the things that they want to accomplish as a unit and um, you know, stressing how this long layoff is certainly going to be a competitive disadvantage for the group, but could also be an advantage in terms of being able to jumpstart individual development. But that's that's all on really on the players until the NBA figures out something to get these guys all back together again. It's going to be on uh, Devontae Graham, on Malik Monk, on Miles Bridges, on P.J. Washington to individually get bigger, faster, stronger, smarter. And if they all do that, if they all commit to doing that, uh, then, you know, this could be an advantage because everybody else is going to be still, you know, that it's in Orlando is still going to be focused on team goals, on, you know, winning uh, games and winning individual games and then winning in the playoffs where these players uh, in the Delete 8 group can focus on how do I individually get better before rejoining the team? 
another comment I'll go back and forth here as I go back to something Mitch Kupchak might have said. When you look at Mitch Kupchak, I think he talked about the as far as a free agency destination for some of these teams that it's not like it's going to be the most attractive destination. I'm trying to find that quote real quickly. He said he we're said, not. Quote, he said yeah. He we said we're not going to be premier. Yeah, premier free agent destination was what he said. So yeah, he said, right. He said that, and do you make anything out of that? Or is that just kind of uh, reiterating something we already know? I don't know why people get obsessed with this. It's so odd to me that, that this idea that is Charlotte a free agency desk, it's never been that. So I don't know why that that's a focus. I mean, I'm glad that the organization seems to be from ownership to general management, to coaching. I mean, Borrego mentioned this as well, that everyone's aligned on, how we're going to do this thing. It's going to be through the draft. It's going to be through trades, but it's also going to be through the G League. And Borrego, uh, or excuse me, Kupchak really gave it up to Borrego for wanting to hire Nick Friedman, this liaison that uh, works between the Hornets and the G League with guys like the Martin Twins and Jalen McDaniels and, and future G League prospects to really make sure that they're getting the best out of their Greensboro experience and that the team has the best intel that they can get on who's playing well in Greensboro and who deserves a shot uh, up at the big leagues. So those are the kind of things I think are going to propel this organization in the right direction. It's not going to be free agency. I just don't see that happening, so especially not this, this next offseason, maybe you know two, three years down the line. Um, I just don't know why people get get sort of hung up on that media or otherwise. Doug, we have a soundbite from Mitch Kupchak that we play somewhat frequently about how not so talented the team is. And when Mitch Kupchak was asked about what they need the most, what they need to upgrade on, he says, quote, really, it's talent. We don't have any all stars on this team. That's the, that's the sound. <laughs> so is that just an... <laughs> Go ahead, Doug. No, oh, that's the soundbite. He didn't say it in this press conference. He said that at the beginning uh, before this season. Um, but he says, yeah, I mean, and, and listen, Borrego said it too, that, you know, they've got a good group of young players here and they all need to take a, a next step. Like as good as Devontae played in stretches, as good as PJ played in stretches, as good as Terry Rozier. I mean, Terry Rozier had a career year. As good as they all played, they still have to take a next step. And even if all of those players take a next step, it seems to me that the, that the attitude of, of Borrego and Kupchak is that even if all of those players take a next step, <laughs> this team is still got, not going to contend for an Eastern Conference Finals. They still have to, at some point, find that piece of talent. And I think where they're trying to figure out where that's going to, is that going to happen at the draft or is that going to happen in a free agency pickup several years down the line? Borrego would go on to say, Court, I'm extremely excited and extremely optimistic, and I think our guys and our fans feel that as well. I would agree, maybe not the extremely part. That seems a little emphatic about us being crazy, extremely excited, but I do think overall people would view this as a positive test, a positive step, I should say, for a rebuild to at least occur here in Charlotte. What would you think, Doug? I mean, I don't... I don't think that that the city in general is excited about where the Hornets are because the Hornets have not given them necessarily something to be excited about. Uh, what I would say to those fans is that the Hornets are working on it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a tough message. Hey, be patient. It seems like these guys all have a plan and that everyone's on the same page. And you've seen successes this year. Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, surprise successes. But... Those successes, as good as they were, were not, 
you know, Donovan Mitchell level surprises where you go, okay, Devontae Graham, PJ Washington are for sure all-stars that that didn't happen. Um, Now they, they could be, there's potential there. That's why I say next step. That's what, that's what the organization is looking for, but it's not guaranteed. And so fans are still in a wait and see mode. Uh, They've been tricked a lot. They've been tricked into thinking that this is, it's time to contend or it's time to get into the playoffs and win a series. And they've been fooled too many times. And so now the organ, and I think the organization, I don't, I won't say secretly, but I I mean, I I just assume that they understand that, that they understand that like fans aren't going to like run through the door right now for Devontae Graham, PJ Washington, Terry Rozier and whatever. Um, So I, I think there's a realistic expectation both from the organization and a realistic expectation from fans right now. Yeah. I think the extremely word that we u- was used there a couple of times. I think that's the most unrealistic thing that w- came out from either of uh, Mitch Kupchak or James Brego. Like they do seem to have a realistic view of what this team is. As Mitch Kupchak told you a couple of times that they needed talent. And then James Brego, I, I think, I think it was Mitch Kupchak who said that it's a little too early to be talking about fit. That makes me feel comforted when it comes to the NBA draft. They're not talking about, we need a big guy. Maybe they've addressed, hey, the, there still are some needs, of course, but it doesn't mean that they're going to negate talent. They're going to dodge talent in order to go after a need that this Hornets team might indeed have. So those are a couple of the comments from James Brago and Mitch, and I know you wanted to wrap up with something. Well, there's there's some interesting comments from Cupcheck about the draft that I think we need to get to. Uh, I think uh, there's some stuff about this long layoff that the Hornets are in right now that I think we need to get to. But before we do any of that, uh, I got to tell you about one of the coolest apps that I have on my phone right now. I don't know if you're looking for a new app. You should be. Uh, This one's called Blinkist. Uh, It's really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser, Blinkist. Essentially what they do is they take the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and they condense them down into just 15 minutes that you can either read or listen to. I'm trying to read more books in general right now. I want to get smarter. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I want to be on Borrego's team. I want to get bigger, faster, stronger in this uh, in this break that we're in right now of basketball. So I'm doing that via reading, uh, but I don't have a ton of time because I'm, I'm doing this show. I'm, I'm doing a lot of podcast stuff. So I use Blinkist uh, because they make it really easy for me to get those nonfiction uh, bullet points uh, in audio form. So uh, here's what I need you to do. Uh, if you're interested in this, uh, and with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer that's just for our audience. You go to Blinkist.com NBA. You get to try it for free for seven days. Plus, you'll save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you're going to save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. One more segment to go here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We'll continue to break down some of the comments made from James Brago and Mitch Kupchak. This is Locked On Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
Doug, you said you wanted to get to some comments made by the Charlotte Hornets regarding the NBA draft. We will be starting to uh, cover the NBA draft a little bit more heavy as we have the uh, as we have the mock draft of the Delete Eight teams here in the Lockdown Podcast Network coming up. We should be talking about that on Wednesday, as I mentioned, the crossover episode with Lockdown Bulls. What were some of the comments made from Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego regarding the draft, Doug, that you wanted to hit on? Yeah, I want to get to that draft stuff. Also, I'm looking at these uh, individual highlights that the Hornets sent out, uh, you know, highlighting some of their individual players and what they've done this season. I see Devontae Graham. I see Terry Rozier. Some stats from Miles Bridges, Cody Martin, Caleb Martin. Oh, there's Cody Martin again. Jalen McDaniels. Uh, yeah, that, that, I don't see any Malik Monk there. No individual highlights. Well, I think that means that they're going to move on from him and that Malik Monk is not <laughs> going to be a part of the future of this team anymore. All right. I want to get to these draft comments <laughs> before I get Don't myself before I get myself in trouble Monk. and you no longer invite me on the radio. Uh, so someone asked uh, Cupcheck about the challenges of doing this draft if you don't get to work out players, if you don't have a combine. Now, the, the NBA seems to be committed to having some kind of combine, maybe, and some kind of workout situation, if it's virtual or whatever, maybe. Uh, but what if they don't? And uh, Cupcheck essentially said that the organization was confident that they were going to be ready for a June 25th draft, even without a combine, even without workouts, because they've been doing scouting uh, for a year now. And it seems like Cupcheck, we've seen Cupcheck go, I think we saw him go international. Like he was, he was not even in the United States looking at players before. So he, you know, he travels, they've got scouts that travel, and they were going to lean on that information. Um, they've actually, this is interesting, they've already done 20 to 25 interviews, according to Cupcheck, Zoom or virtual interviews, with late first, early second round players. Uh, they did not have any interviews, it sounds like, with the top 20 picks. And according to Cupcheck, that's because the top 20 picks are not doing a lot of interviews with many teams because they're waiting on the actual draft lottery order to shake out before they do anything like that. But they've already been... Um, interviewing players that could be available to them with that uh, early second round pick uh, that they have. But he was confident. He said film work, interview, scouting info, that would have been enough to get this organization ready to draft on June 25th. But we know that that won't happen. It's going to be sometime probably in, in October, September or October. Yeah, and, and again, I, I am comforted by the fact that they are going to be looking for talent, not necessarily trying to fill a need. And just based off the needs that we've about. We've often talked about needing a big guy, might, maybe needing uh, an athletic big guy. I think that's something that Anyeko Konwu uh, fits that bill. Also, even James Wiseman is somebody that might fit that bill. And just to tease maybe the next episode on Wednesday, Doug, you and I both have a player dispute, not that we are uh, seething at the other person's selection at number eight of who might be available, but there is a player dispute if it came down between two guys that we might want. There is a dispute between us, but I think that goes to show uh, I mean, I have no clue how this draft is going to unfold because, I mean, after LaMelo Ball, then you probably get into Anthony Edwards. I mean, he seems to be, I don't know if he's a consensus number two, but he seems to be somewhat close to it. But then to me, Doug, I mean, I, I feel like it gets jumbled up quite a bit. Some people like, uh, what is it, Denny Avija? I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Um, it could be Killian Hayes. I know a lot of people are high on. James Wiseman is polarizing. Obi Toppin is somebody that a lot of people like. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see exactly what happens here. I believe it's Avadiha. But I don't know. I said Vassal. So, hey. I said Vassal instead of Vassal. Yeah, I was doing right. Vaseline instead of Vassell. So I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think it's very interesting because, and that's why I want to I do this mock draft and I want to do it again and again until the draft because I think there is going to be so much uncertainty around the top three picks and the top eight picks and the top 16 picks. I mean, I just think this draft is going to be wilder than any other draft uh, that we've seen, both due to the fact that there isn't consensus around the top five or six picks and the fact that there's going to be some uncertainty uh, with every team about um, you know this whole draft situation because of what's been going on. A couple of other things I want to get to uh, before we get out of here from this press conference, and I know we're going to talk about this over the next couple of days, uh, but I think one thing that's interesting is how all of these teams are going to be dealing, the Delete 8 teams, the teams that aren't included in Orlando, how they're going to do with this long layoff and what the NBA is going to do. And Borrego was asked about that, and he said it was hard, it's hard to replicate in a typical summer environment, that live competitive action that comes in games. And he seemed to put a real, um, uh, uh, some real weight to that, to live competitive action, to succeeding or failing. And, and, and I guess how you deal with that, and that only comes in that live competitive action, says it's tough to organize that in a typical summer environment. And then this is an atypical summer environment, and both Cupcheck and um, Borrego were both very clear that they want the same amount of time for their team that all the other teams in Orlando are going to get if they don't make the playoffs. So it's about five or six weeks. You know, they want that same kind of organized, you know, coaches, players, everybody together. And then Cupcheck added to that if it's safe. He wants it to be just as safe as if they were in Orlando. And so those are the big hurdles that teams and the NBA all have to figure out, um, you know, I think they're focused right now on making sure Orlando is a success. And if that goes well, then they can start to turn their attention to what happens with some of these um, off-season teams. Um, But if you have eight teams that aren't able to do anything like Orlando before next season, then you've got a major competitive disadvantage on your hand. I mean, it's just that simple. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Hornets. Uh, Join us again on Wednesday. We're going to be talking to Rick Bennell, what his thoughts are from these press conferences, and we're going to be doing the mock draft crossover segment uh, with the guys from Locked on Bulls, Matt Peck and Jordan Malley. Until then, for Walker Mail, who had to step out and get some new furniture in his house, I'm Doug Branson saying go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.